like to just share something with you. Um, and uh, I'm not <laughs> I just feel like it's one of those days when the Lord doesn't want you to preach from some kind of notes or something. So we're, we're going we're gonna to see what the Spirit would say to us today. And um, just go on a bit. I do want to tell you about this. I've, I've heard it said that all men die, few really live. think of Abraham at 75 he gets uh, he gets to begin a new adventure at 75 he gets a, a word to believe and expect and wait for and lean into the miraculous supply of God I do believe that God wants us to awaken our expectation for the miraculous beyond any level we've ever had before this is the word of the Lord for us and for those of you who uh, who think that uh, you beyond expectation you in the you're in the shade age-wise uh, Helen Keller a remarkable woman uh, who had a huge contribution in spite of massive handicaps in her life said life is either a daring adventure or it is nothing at all I pray that God today would release us from our addiction to safety from from just just hanging in there God wants us to live expansively I've been meditating this whole week in my quiet times, not that I was going to preach any of it, but I feel like on expansive living, living larger than we've normally uh, leaned into. So I did quote Isaiah, uh, so Psalm 92, about uh, being fresh and green, but just some interesting thing from uh, some writing by Frank Labash, who is a, a great spirituality writer. And it's a, it's a little piece of writing called Life Begins at 80. Anyone 80 or plus amongst us? Hands up those. Come on, let me see those 80 year olds, eh? Hands up there. I want to see your hands. Come on, hold your hands high, man. I mean, uh, Caleb's best years were when he hit 85. Can you believe that? Until 85, he uh, was just in preparation. Now, this is maybe for all of us to think of. Uh, he says, Frank says, I have good news for you. The first 80 years are the hardest. The second 80 are a succession of birthday parties. Once you reach 80, everyone wants to carry your luggage for you and help you up the steps. If you forget your name or anybody else's name or, or your appointment or your telephone number or even promise to be there uh, in three places at the same time or can't you remember how many grandchildren you have, you need only explain you're 80. Uh, being 80 is a lot better than being 70. At 70, people are mad at you for everything. <laughs> how many 70-year-olds are there in the house? Can you relate to this? <laughs> All right. Okay, so uh, you see, at, uh, at 80, you have a perfect excuse no matter what you do. If you act foolishly, it's your second childhood. Everybody's looking for symptoms of softening of the brain. <laughs> Being 70 is no fun at all. At that age, they expect you to retire to a house on the beach. And complain about your arthritis and, and ask everybody to stop mumbling because you can't understand them. Actually, your hearing is about 50% gone. Uh, if you survive until you are 80, everybody is surprised that you're still alive. <laughs> and they treat you with respect just for having lived so long. Actually, they seem surprised that you can walk or talk at all. So try to make it to 80. It's the best time of life. And people forgive you for anything. If you ask me, life begins at 80. Eh? Isn't that an encouragement? Some of you thought, yeah. I remember when I was a, a much younger youngster. I'm still a youngster. But when I was a much younger youngster, uh, thinking when you, somebody was, I heard somebody was 30. I thought, geez, yeah, I was a topper. <laughs> 30. 
<laughs> I look back now, life begins at 80. Come on. Eh? There's a great inspiration for us to set our sights and reach for a whole lot more than we have. I hope that makes sense to you, that there's a call for more. We can't settle for what you are and just pay little. God wants us to move on. That's what he wants us to do. Um, I'd, I'd like us to, I, I just feel the Lord would have us to move to uh, a scripture that would be helpful for us in this regard. Go, go to Hebrews, if you will. Hebrews uh, chapter 12. Uh, therefore, now uh, this therefore, whenever there's a therefore, you will ask what it's therefore. And it's on the basis of inspirational testimonies like we just heard from Ryan, for example. Chapter 11 is a hall of faith fame of people that uh, uh, reached for more, hung into God, and pressed all the way, although they didn't all get it in the moment, but they waited and they pressed in and they sacrificed and stayed on track to expect more from God. And so he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off uh, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I feel like the Lord wants to speak to us about that. He wants to call us back to a fundamental place where we, we lean into Jesus and who He makes us, because our identity then comes from Him, and uh, what He empowers us to reach for. Uh, and it's not something that we could easily just do in our natural sense. This is what Paul says to Timothy, be strong in the grace that God supplies. Be strong in grace. I feel he wants us to focus on grace this morning. And uh, grace can be a difficult message for some people who expect, uh, expect more. But grace is that which empowers them all. And it's, it empowers us not because we have to st uh, strive for it, but we have to, it's a strange thing when Paul says, strive to enter his rest. What he actually means is learn to surrender. And was it Hindu? did you have the word about surrender in the prayer room? Eh? Uh, give us, I think you prayed, give us the courage to surrender. Was that the prayer? Give us the courage to surrender. In that moment, I just felt like God is saying, that's the word for us. Give us the courage to surrender, to yield. Because the yielding, it seems like it's hard work to yield, but actually, it's the most amazing opportunity when we let God and His word over our lives be the validation rather than us striving to get there. And I'm, I'm telling you these things because I realize so many people are under the whip at the moment. Hey? How many can testify to that? There's circumstantial pressure, relational pressure, financial pressure. I think next week the Lord's going to lead us to, I feel like it's something stirring, pregnant with a message around uh, money miracles. God wants to help us bring our faith and our money into a place of, of surrender to God and see what He will, he will do with that. But I just also want to sound a warning. We, we've come across increasing numbers of uh, cultic developments in, in our city and in our, in our world at this time. Even this past week, uh, sat down with three leaders of, a, of a, a cult that has sent out invitations to churches all over the city to invite their members to, uh, to come to their Bible study on a Saturday. When they called me about this, I said, wait a minute, I think there's something fishy going on here. I won't do that until I know what you're actually teaching. So three, I invited three of the leaders to come and sat with, with, with two of us, and we 
we talked through what we knew of their stuff and why we would be concerned about it. And it just awakened me to realize we really do need to be much more alert than we are in the season in which we're living. There's stuff going down in our world. Uh, and just because somebody puts a Bible study on the, on the name of what they're offering, is it's not necessarily true. Don't get, get me wrong. I mean, the devil did that to Jesus in Luke 4. He says, uh, it is written, it is written. And Jesus says back to him, it is written. And he, and he gives him the correct application of, of Scripture. Because you can take text verses uh, from Scripture and make them say whatever you want them to say. But is that what the Bible is actually saying? It's not a Pandora's box of wishful thinking. There's biblical historical relevance and accuracy that must be discerned effectively. Otherwise, you're going to be take, taken down a rabbit hole. It's very important. And some of the symptoms of, of misleading factors w would be um, particularly, and this I think is a primary one, when you are expected to do more, and more depends on you, because in every cult there's a form of legalism attached. And secondly, it's very difficult to escape it, because guilt and shame work on it constantly. And if they've got you in the grip, you will find it hard to escape it, because you'll be ridiculed, and, and the other aspect of it is secrecy. It's people like superior knowledge, and that was much in the New Testament Antichrist as well, with the, uh, the heresy called Gnosticism, where there was this idea um, that certain people had been gifted with spiritual knowledge, others hadn't. If you've got the knowledge, you're a superior. Uh, the others are the mud, and the superior have the gold. So it's the gold in the mud is how the Gnostics viewed it, and it influenced and infiltrated uh, the church, uh, the, the seasons of the early church, um, and much of the New Testament was written to counter Gnosticism which raises its head in different ways, even in our times. So I want to urge you, just be careful. If you've been invited to a Bible study or any kind of, even in the name Christian, um, teaching that uh, you're a little bit concerned about, just call in on your pastors. Let's just help you discern the thing. I don't want any of our people falling just because they, they were naive eh? and, and falling into, into error. And this, uh, this uh, particular... Uh, a cult from South Korea in, in particular is ra ravaging across the city at the moment. So be very, very careful if I can say that to you. Is that okay? And if anybody has been caught up with anything related to that, please come and see us. We'd love to uh, mount a rescue for you and help you get clear of that. Uh, and we, we, we pray for these people and we, we set aside an hour or hour and a half to talk to them. But after 40 minutes, they could realize they realized they that um, they weren't going to get anywhere with us, that we weren't going to join their cult, we weren't going to send our people, and there were just far too many uh, red lights going on all over the place in terms of sound biblical theology that uh, they left. And uh, we were very sad that they left. We, we had hoped that they would take more seeds of hope. However, when I went home and thought about it, I thought, you know, there's enough done there because sometimes God offends us. Eh? He offends us to awaken us. You know, years ago, let me go back to the hippie days, many of us became Jesus people, became Christians. And I remember meeting a guy, because I was a good Methodist boy, and those, you won't believe that I was a good Methodist boy once upon a time. And, uh, and one guy came up to me, the Jesus people were having a crusade there, I think it was called uh, uh, Project 68, Ken Tehoven, some of you might remember that name. And a whole lot of Jesus people, hippies around it, whatever, and one guy came up to me and said, have, have you... Um, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I hadn't even heard about that. And uh, I was very offended. He said, you need to get this baptism. He laid it on thick. And I was very offended. I thought, well, I'm a good Methodist boy. What are you talking about here, man? And, uh, but it, the, the offense I felt awakened me to research. And it led, did lead me into a baptism of, of, of the Spirit experience, which is a, a wonderful thing. So I, I, do, I do think that God does sometimes 
oftentimes use offenses to awaken us to new levels of revelation and, and embracing of life. I'm so grateful for that. I mean, there's a, uh, how many years ago? Uh, 73 was uh, the time when I really came into that experience. That's how many years ago? 50 years now, 23 years here, 50 years. And uh, I, you know, I don't know how many of you could identify a time when you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for example, just raise your hand, just see. And in my case, and in the case of millions and millions of believers, in, even in the book of Acts, uh, one, of the, one of the key evidences was speaking in tongues or prophesying or both. And um, I began to do that. In fact, that first time, three strange sounds came out of my mouth, you know. And I thought, Lord, what's this? And, but at the, as I began saying, I felt there's such a, a, a connection, like my spirit was connecting with God's spirit, and there was a new thing going on. And the next day, another couple more sounds were added and, and added, and, and I've enjoyed that as a wonderful gift. It's not a, it's not a badge of honor. It's a gift I receive uh, in a moment of surrender, because it's surrender that invites the Holy Spirit to come. Huh? So as much as you put out the vessels, he fills with, with his oil, huh? As much as you're open to him, as if you thirst and you submit your, yourself to him, he, he fills you. And, and so I've, I'm so grateful for that. And if you're struggling in your faith, you need another filling of the Spirit. Because that's that really what keeps us going. And so these 50 years now, I've enjoyed the exercise of that gift. And it's, it's very enhancing in, in, in my prayer life as well. So just be aware of that. But go with me to something else that's coming to my mind. In Hebrews, um, also as soon as you got your Hebrews book open, Hebrews uh, chapter 2. He says, we must pay more, verse 1, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. So be sh be, become increasingly clear about the distinctives of your faith and what God's, you know, if you get an invitation to something, you better, you better check the date, the time, the venue. Don't vaguely realize you're going to somebody's party or wedding or something, um, but you better check the details, otherwise you will drift away from an opportunity that you could have had. To, to celebrate and to receive more of life. So there's a call for us here not uh, to pay more careful attention, not to just uh, drift away, but particularly to what we have heard. So it's a reference to the gospel. He Hebrews is a book of encouragement. Um, uh, Michael Eaton, some of you might know from Crisco Fellowship of in Nairobi, he wrote his doctoral thesis on a, a theology of encouragement based on the book of Hebrews. It was such an inspirational book. I've got one of the original mandates in my uh, man, uh, manuscript on my, on my shelf. This is a, 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 a book written to, to encourage Jewish-orientated people to understand the full magnitude of the gospel, to explain the signs and, and, the, and the rituals uh, and the festivals and these things that were pointing to the substance that is Christ. So we don't camp around, and that's what Hebrews is saying, don't camp around the rituals and, and the signs, but be excited when, you, when you're on a journey and you see a, the sign is coming up, but the place is only another 1,000 kilometers to go, then it's only 800 to go. And so the signs get you more and more excited about the destination. You don't stop your journey and get out your tent and camp around the signs. That would be crazy. But you, you, you receive the signs for what they point to. So every one of the signs that we receive, even Corinthians says these things, and he refers to all the Old Testament stories and examples and inspirations are a sign pointing us to Christ and to uh, living his kingdom life. So what he's saying here is become clear about that. I'm encouraging you uh, to become Bible-reading Christians. How many of you how many of you, how many have got a Bible at hand, either a literal one or on your cell phone? And now don't start Googling things now. Just tell me honestly. All right. 
So we need the Word of God in our lives. How many are taking an exercise I gave you seriously a couple of weeks back about t- learning one verse of Scripture, memorizing it each week? Anybody learning to do that? One verse, eh? Just to remind you, you can start very easy. There's one verse you can easily get just to boost your confidence. John 11, 35, which says what? Jesus wept. Some of you are doing your homework, eh? You've got one verse under the belt. Good for you. Jesus wept. But it's a wonderful verse because it speaks of His humanity. It speaks of His compassion, eh? And it speaks of Him encouraging you to, that your memory capacities can still work. <laughs> so it says in verse 2, For if the message spoken by angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? There is more in God. And if you don't reach for it and read the full menu, you might miss it. How many have ever been to a restaurant, sat down with friends, and uh, you didn't read the menu properly, you just saw something, caught your eye, and said, well, I'll just take that. And your friends took a bit more care over that menu, and they ordered something that was, like, huge. And when they brought it out, you got your little token on the plate, and your buddy next to you got this mountain of steaks, or whatever goes with it, and, and you think, what an idiot, why didn't I read that menu properly, you know? Especially because you know your buddy was going to pay. <laughs> so, life happens. So, how, how will we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Just because we were not paying attention to the magnitude of what he's offering us. He's not offering us just a new little prayer life or how, how to worship better. He's offering us a new way of living, a new way of managing our marriages, our money, our, our attitude in a world that is bedeviled with all kinds of, of struggles. African national cor- corruption included. Everything that goes in the mix. <laughs> these are our realities. Eh? We're challenged in these seasons, aren't we? So he says, uh, This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. So, signs, wonders, and I know... Uh, Colleen makes signs, and I wonder what she means when she's <laughs> So we have this sign wonders language going on just sometimes on the side, and that's why she's such a gift to me. Uh, various miracles. The miracle is when I actually understand what she's saying and submit to. But uh, he's saying there are, there's evidence, there's an evidential factor to our faith. When, when we believe the right gospel, it changes things. We, we, we don't just succumb and um, acquiesce to what is. We are change agents. When light comes in the room, that room is not the same. Darkness is dispelled. Eh? When, uh, when s- the right spice is put on the meal, ask Charmaine, that meal is not bland anymore. It's a new deal. So we, we, we need to understand this thing. Is, uh, if we're not living with an expectation of the more, because Jesus says, uh, <coughs> I'll come to me. If, if you come to me, I will give you a life. Life abundant. And he, he didn't, we often think it's life redundant. It's all over now. I've become a Christian. Not so. I think that Christians have a far greater crack at the joy component in our lives than any non-believer could ever have. There's no way that their joy, their supposed joy, could match what we have in Christ. Ours is a joy that is deeply resilient. That in the midst of the cross, he, jo- he, in, he celebrates for the joy set before him. Okay? He endures the shame because he's looking beyond it. And we're living in a world which is like a cross to bear as we keep ourselves from becoming bitter and, and despairing. Uh, and we're holding on to the fact that we serve a 
a king and his kingdom that is unshakable. And even though this country burns up and we have a passive leadership or corrupt leadership and those that should be wearing or orange overalls are still walking around with colors, this is a, a challenging season for us in, in our nation. But if we look to the Lord, God will keep us here exercising influence for, for hope, influence for change. So I bless God for those who, who are not just packing for Perth. You know, if, if they feel called by God to go to Perth, so be them, so be it. But if God has not given you a call to pack up and to move, then carry your light in, this, in the darkness of our present situation. You see, we're not our own. We've been bought at a price. No way can we still find a, the, the sunniest speech to go to retire to. We, we, and even if we're into retirement, that's only a, a positional thing. It's a change of season, and you still serve. You serve till you draw your last breath, if that makes sense to you. Very important. I, was, I keep thinking about John Wesley. He said, um, as he had such a giving nature, everything he received, he just knew he'd never outgive God. And he told those around him, hold me accountable to this. If, uh, if I die with more than 10 pounds to my name, call me a, a thief and a liar. As it came, it went. As it came, it went. It's just such a flow because he was reliant and dependent on the kingdom of God. And that's what he wanted to serve. Eh? What inspiration, huh? Instead of just thinking a life consists of getting more and more and more. You, you, can't, you can't go to heaven in a Cadillac, as they used to sing in the hippie days. Uh, it, your cars and your positions stay behind. When you go, you go as you are. Eh? And uh, so why spend your time gathering that which rust and moth corrupts? Eh? Uh, just the difference between riches and wealth, and I do believe the gospel uh, facilitates wealth creation. But the difference in riches and wealth, riches is measured by how much you've got. But there are very, very many depressed, broken, rich people. Because even what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? But wealth is not how much you've got. It's measured by what you do with what you've got. You can be a bucket, bucket Christian, try and get a bigger bucket and just load more and more up. Or you can be a housewife, eh? What you receive, you live flow. What you receive flows on and blesses others and serves the purposes of God. And it's a whole different thing. And so your life is, is a part of this great salvation. I mean, I think that little boy, remember the John 6 picnic on the hill, Galilean hillside? They had no chow and, and, and his disciples were worried about it. Said, Send them away. And Jesus said, no, you give them something. And, and uh, they went and looked for the food. Anybody have any food? And Andrew finds this one little guy, his, his dear mom, was, was clearly looking after her boy, and she packed him a couple of sardines and, and we were sick cook, I think, something, something like that, uh, in the basket. And, uh, <laughs> and they brought this, and a couple of sardines and rooster cook, fed over 5,000 men, plus women and children. What a picnic, eh? What a thing. Isn't that amazing, eh? I remember years ago, God began to teach me about, I wasn't getting ahead of myself, I'll talk about some of that next week, but about the, the, the adventure of sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. And you know, you never outgive God. That's the amazing thing about it. It's so encouraging uh, to know. And you'd impress God with it. And he, he invites us to, to know Him in financial matters that if we flow from the right heart, it changes so much about our lives. So, but, but He says there will be confirmations, visible, tangible signs, wonders, various miracles that will evidence, plus the gifts of the Spirit, there'll be signs that we are being stirred up um, to, to reach for the more. And then he goes on in the next little section about uh, comparing angels to our authority. And he says, not to angels, but that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking. But there is a place, and he quotes now from Psalm 8, 
What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. That's a reference back to Genesis 1 and 2 where God created and then authorized uh, Adam and Eve to, to take over management of the world, put everything under their feet. But we also know uh, Genesis 3 then kicked in and the disasters began to happen. So much, uh, so much took place that uh, was terribly disastrous. Uh, and uh, I think in these days I need to just emphasize one particular point. People often say, and some even said it in Paul's day, and he made reference to this, that um, women are not safe in leadership because uh, she was deceived. She was the one that was seduced, not Adam. It's a misconception. God never intended patriarchy, never intended male leadership. He intended partnership. He said to them, rule. To Adam and Eve, rule. Where was he when she was catching the ball of, s of the serpent's language? Adam was present but silent. His passivity, he broke down his part of the partnership. He should have been speaking up and, and protecting because if two are better than one. If one is stumbling, the other one can, can secure and, and protect and pick up. And there should have been a partnership, a mutuality is the word we would be using more and more. A mutuality in our marriages, in our churches, in our life. There are some gifts. And I want to say on behalf of many, many men that have seen this, we are sorry for many of you ladies that have suffered at, at the hands of misogyny, the hands of, of patriarchy, which has been arrogant and presumptuous. God never intended that. And we, we would pray that God would heal any wounds that linger on you. And I tell just about every man I know who's married, I say, you're very likely married up. Do you know that? Sean Richards, you're married up. <laughs> But it's true, we need each other and we apologize for some of the knocks that the ladies have taken because of patriarchy that, that has been existing in our world since the fall. God said, he didn't, God did not invent patriarchy. He, he said, this is gonna be a result of the fall. He simply, in Genesis three, God pronounced, watch this, these will be the consequences of what you've done. Law of sowing and reaping still continues. Galatians six, remember Galatians six? Be gentle if somebody falls, he's caught in a trap. And that chapter goes on to say, God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, we will reap. If we sow to the flesh, we reap the results thereof. So sowing and reaping works. It's not a curse of God. It's an observation of God. Because if you sow one vegetable, you're going to reap of the same. You, you can't sow beans and hope to get carrots. It doesn't work like that. There are operational things that we need to take into account. So this is actually saying something to us here. Watch this. Verse, uh, what is it? Verse 8. He put everything under our feet. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him. God has given us a mandate and a capacity to rule. We've been given authority to take dominion over our time management, over our <coughs> so softly, our social media access. Yes, I see all those ribs being dug in. Actually, they're coming under conviction right there. But our addictions, every addiction, yeah, we can take dominion over it. There's no one that needs to be subject to an addiction. God sets us free. That's what Jesus came to do in Luke 4. He quotes from Isaiah 61, and he pronounced the Jubilee, which is designed by God that every 50 years, the economy of Israel and its relationships would stabilize. Slaves would be set free. Eh? Every addiction, every captivity broken. Um, poor would, would get back what, they, what they'd lost by poor trading over the years. Uh, and he, would, he went on to say that he would give beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. And he said, and this is the, the, the 
day of vengeance of our God and the year of favor. There's a moment, a day, when, when God acts. You know, he doesn't pay at the end of every day, but at the end, he does pay. But we live with a, a year. The, the, extrav- the, 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 the primary issue is the extravagant favor of God, that he wants us to live with the freedom that comes with the jubilee. And when the Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 2, remember what happened, eh? Each one began to know the Lord. And, and Peter stood up and, and said, this is that which was prophesied by Joel in the last days. The thing you're now seeing would be happening. In other words, these things are the beginnings of the last days. So we are living in the last days. We have been. That's why it's called millennium. It's, uh, it's God's plan for the fullness of the ages of the church. As the church takes more and more dominion in every sphere of life, every area, engineering, every medical area, in every area of science and, and, and education, we, we're taking dominion. We're exercising authority to bring, by God, by God inspiration, uh, hope and change and help for hurting fallen humanity. And so we exercise increasing dominion during this time. I know some people, when, when you use some words like dominion, they, they think of others' uh, connotations. But just hear me in the context of the gospel. John prays. Uh, he says, um, I pray that you may prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. There's a holistic element to the benefits of our salvation. It's not just that suddenly we just find our sins forgiven and we can pray better. There's much more. We can live better. We can work better. We can innovate where, where things have been stuck for so long. We can get out of the mud. There's a, there's a brother in this church who called me about two, was it two three weeks ago. got stuck in the mud just on the other side of PE. So I delight because when somebody gets stuck, it's my moment to play, you know. We get our four by fours out and we take that long step and, and we park our cars on the hard and, and pull the brother out and walk away feeling right, yeah, nice to be a man, you know. <laughs> Brother's in church this morning. I'm not going to even look at him. But uh, I thanked him for letting us play. But, you know, that's what we're called to be, to be those that help others get out of the mud, hey? I mean, Peter, our chainsaw job, hey? Where's my chainsaw friend? Uh, we, we, how many times have we been cutting a tree and then, because you didn't move anything fast enough, that the tree slips on, onto your blade and you're stuck? What do you do then? And we call Peter. That's what you do. He comes with his chainsaw and he cuts it on the other side till you can get yours out. And, you, and so I want to say to you, in this mandate to take dominion, We've been given the opportunity to do it together. And we are better together. One helps the other. So I want to urge you to, to make sure that you stay in good friendship, good fellowship with, with each other. This helps us to do this. So watch this. Is, uh, verse 8, halfway through. He says, yet at the present, we do not see everything subject to him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he must taste death for everyone. This, this passage we've been reading addresses two things primarily. Know who you are and by the grace of God and receive by the grace of God also the capacity and the call to reign, to reign in life, to have dominion like he's, he's indicating. I just feel like God is wanting us to rediscover the value of that, what it means for us and its application in our daily lives. It means lots of things to lots of us, eh? but my burden is in my heart, I think, this morning uh, as I stand before you. Um, you need to be able to say to your neighbors, to your family, to anyone who's known you, you better take a good look because you're never going to see this person again. Because I'll be different tomorrow. I'm changing. And it happens just like that. You know that? It begins. Everything begins with the decision you make. 
We are the composite of the decisions we've made. We're the result of what we decided over the years. Even if we decided to just acquiesce and let it be, and you'll slot into same old brain patterns, and you'll do the same old, same old. But you make a decision today. It could be the seed of a brand new you. You better take a look at me, because I'm not going to do the same. I'm, I'm not. But both, what about you? You're changing by grace or effort. Don't, don't forget, I taught you to say that. Huh? Ryan? Nina? It's the end of your past life, you know that, eh? It's a new day for you guys, eh? You've come to the right place at the right time. Stand up for me, just stand up for a moment. Let's reach our hands and pray for this couple. Lord, we bless this couple. We bless what you're doing in their lives. We bless their, their reaching out for you, Lord. I just feel like you've been bored with what you had, and God has raised up a, a, a hunger, a curiosity, a desire, an appetite for more. So we, we bless that, that, the journey you're embarking on, that uh, there'll be many signs, wonders, and amazing things to speak of, testimonies of God's faithfulness coming through for you again and again, even in your courage that you, you've had to take in hand with regard to some of your circumstances. So we, we bless you in the name of Jesus, and just like Abraham, you've been blessed so that you will be a blessing to others. Amen. Be blessed, guys. Be blessed. Kim, he's a man that reaches for more. Eh? I want to pray for Colin to keep up with you. <laughs> Why don't you stand with your family? I think who's your, your son is here. Ethan, come on, stand. This is a precious family. You guys have been through so much. And Ethan, you, you've, it's, it's amazing the awards you've won and stuff you've done. Yeah. So we, we just speak God's favor and blessing on you as well. We bless everything that God has seated in your lives to, to reach for in His name. We bless that. We bless you, Colleen, with patience and wisdom to help be the glue in this family. And Cam, we bless your commitment to priorities of marriage and family life as well as the adventure of uh, making an impact in the world we live. We bless you for the hospital you built. And we bless you for the dreams you reach for, things that God is doing. Uh, and God would say he, he loves the willingness to, to, to dream expansively. You carry more of His nature when you do that. And then Ethan, we bless you as one who will catch the blessing of, uh, of your parents and their faith and translate and make ownership of it for yourself. And, and you will move in significant ways that what they've done will not be a ceiling for you, but be the floor on which you can move forward. So we bless you in Jesus' name and your family. Amen. Amen. I, I want to also just bless Rob right here. Rob has come to the end of this year of, of serving in our eldership. Um, he's moving off to Texas in December. Can you believe it? Why would you leave South Africa for Texas? I'll tell you, don't ask him, he'll tell I'm not going to tell you, don't ask Rob, he'll tell you why. But Rob, thank you for what you've done amongst us. And it's been wonderful seeing you grow. Eh? We, we, we've seen growth this year, it's been lovely to see, increasing sense of reality and authenticity, and, uh, and, and a particularly uh, increasing willingness to collaborate in making decisions and things. So you're in a safer place now than you ever were in years gone by. And I know you, you've, you've made some poor decisions and some spirituality things that, that really trapped you. But you, you owned that, you came through it, you've grown, and you're the far better for it. So I want to say to any others who, say, who struggle with seasons you might be going through, turn the bitterness of the season to something that makes you better. Learn from it. 
Let the devil take losses every which way. He puts cancer on you, he, he something. And by the way, illness doesn't come from God. It's a demonic thing. It's from the devil, and it's a result of the fall. So don't, let's not go blaming God if we're sick. It's the world in which we're living. So let's not get confused about that. It's amazing how people become bitter when they become sick. Sure, God's got permissive will, and he allows some things to happen, and he stops it for others. And why is that? Well, we'll ask him that when we see him above, huh? Don't really know all the answers. But we do believe in the already and the not yet of the kingdom, and that's our truth. And it does work in, in reality in so many situations, but um, I, I just feel like God wants us to be set free from the blame game. And, and uh, as, we sub, as, we, as we reminded, if we surrender to God, He will use it for good. Time and time again. Hey? I've seen people who get divorced because of all kinds of broken stuff happening in their homes and their lives. And uh, the surrender of all of that to God Somehow he takes it and they become amazing from what they've suffered. I always say, I said this many times, some of the most amazing people I know, especially the women, are from Zimbabwe. Huh? Grace? People that have suffered hugely under that mad guy Mugabe. Wow, man. And, uh, and all those times before that in the, in the racist season of uh, Smith and that, Smith's government. A lot of pain in, in that nation. Lots of pain over a long time. I mean, I hear that I hear that the unemployment rate currently, on a formal note, is like in Zimbabwe is 97% or something of that order. And it's got to be all informal. It's the only way to go. Uh, and these people have taken courage in hand and turned it into resilience in character. So bless you, Grace. You're one of those people. Yeah, I heard somebody yesterday has fallen in love with a girl from Zimbabwe. I said, you probably can't go wrong. Yeah, yeah. If you feel like your your life has been too small for too long, it's time to ask God to show you new new avenues, new vistas, new horizons. It's time to reach for more. It's time to say, Lord, I want to stand in the place where your miraculous power and grace can flow through my life and touch others, change others. Because I go as a change agent in this world. No longer just a victim. I'll become a victim. If that's you, why don't you stand with me right now? I want to pray for you. If you, you, you want to move on from smallness, from safety attachment to a risky life, because your whatever is not of faith is sin. You must remember Romans 14 says, verse 20, 21, uh, whatever is not of faith is sin. God wants us to be believers. And believers are those who know that God exists and believe that. And that it rewards those who diligently seek Him. So there's something God's going to impart to you. Now, if you stand, I invite you to sit down again if you don't want to. But if you're standing, I believe God's going to give you a vision of, of what you need to reach for. And you don't have to. You can sit down if you want to. But I want to pray for those who have a hunger for the more. Because the gospel leads us to the more. You didn't come that you might have life more redundant but abundant. And there's so much more in the workplace, in the marriage, in your financial situation, in your friendships. Eh? Sometimes I had, to, I had to come to terms with this. I've been so busy in the ministry. I, don't, I haven't always done well with making time intentionally for cultivating healthy friendships. But I've been learning that over the last number of years since God began to heal my soul in particular ways. You won't believe it, but I can be a good friend. If you want to reach for more in God, just stand, put your hands in front of you. We're going to pray that God will come with great blessing and anointing on you. Great Fresh vision. Young men will see the dream dreams. Old men will have visions. And this whole mix of the future will become clearer to you and call to reach out for more.
So, Father, we pray for these men and women, boys and girls. Thank you, Lord, for the heart you've put in them to let your gospel be the transforming power in their lives. The gospel of Jesus. Look unto Jesus. We see Jesus, he says. He's all still in broken places. There's still stuff going, but we see Jesus. We keep our eyes on him and walk with him. He calms us the sea. He walks on the water. He calls us. And when we sink, he lifts us up immediately because we keep our eyes on Jesus. Show them who you will be to them, Lord. Two things I'm asking you today for these people. Increase the depths of their devotion to you. That they would won't begrudge getting up a little early in the morning spend time in your presence just to worship just to read your word to journal and reflect and make sure their soul is progressing forward take time to love Jesus let his presence soak into your life soak into your life more and more that's what I'm asking first for you Lord and then Lord as they get traction in that place of devotion of surrender to you I pray Lord that you give them fresh vision ideas, innovations, decisions that they must make that will move them in courageous ways. Lord, I pray that Fountain Vineyard, you know, I feel like, Lord, sometimes we could punch much bigger, uh, with bigger significance. We're not asking for success. We're asking for significance from a kingdom point of view, Lord, that we would impact the people. Where we, if you came and lived in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our nation at this time, how would you be? What would Jesus do? I challenge you by the grace of God to begin to pray that. What would Jesus do today in these shoes, in this life? What would he do? Be that. Do that. Would you show them this, Lord? In Jesus' name. Be blessed. Um, I'm going I'm to land in a moment. I just, uh, I just do feel like I still want to pray for um, uh, people <coughs> who've got a lot of life still ahead of them, and uh, that you make good decisions as early as possible. Okay. If you if you're in that first third of life, you're like under thirty. Would you Would you like to come up and be specifically prayed for if you're under thirty? And you know, these are, the, these are the seasons you're making, the most important decisions that affect so many aspects of your life, education, marriage, homes, careers, so much. But if you're under 30 and you'd like us to pray that that will be a good grounding in biblically-based decisions, come up here. We want to have you pray, pray for others are going to come and pray. Just come and come join Bo. He's number one. Come and join Bo. Come, come, come. Come, Caitlin. Bobby. He's a man, man. Doesn't make scrap coffee in his coffee shop. That's the one decision he's been made getting right already. Can I ask you some questions? Uh, hey, Daniel, I'm glad you're coming up, brother. I like that name, Daniel. He's a lion scarer. Bless you, brother. I, I, I'm going to ask you, are you willing to be known? Are you willing to be known? Your eyes are getting big here. Just check this out. Are you willing to be known? Huh? Because you know, you need to be known as people that are in Christ. And he's calling, are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Are you willing for him to be the most famous part of your life? Okay, Because that's what becomes known about you. And you actually give up on your own reputation. What, what I'm known for in Christ. 
if that's if that's true for you, William, I'm going to ask you to turn around and face the church. And I want the church to get out of the seats and come and pray over these people and come prophesy over them. Would you do that? Church, come. Come and pray. Just come and pray and bless. Can you guys each just separate a little bit? Like in the army, they just separate a meter apart. Just spread out of it so we can pray. And I want to encourage you to pray prophetically. Pray prophetic prayers over them, especially those that stood just now. Let your decision be to be one who gives. So come right now. You don't know what you're going to say, but when you get here, you'll have what you need to say. I'm telling you, it works like that. Just begin to pray for these people as they come into a fresh place of, of uh, hearing this, uh, making good decisions, being led by the Spirit of God, being encouraged in God. Uh, and if you're going to pray for them, good to stand in front of them so they can hear you. Don't speak behind their backs. Pray over them. Church, if you're not coming up, at least reach out and pray for them from where you are. But let's, uh, let's just prophesy, Lord, bless these people. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Speak whatever God puts on your heart prophetically for them. We bless you, Lord, what you're doing in their lives. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Bless your presence, Lord. Bless what you're doing, Lord. While they're receiving prayer here, is there anyone else that needs prayer for healing today? I believe God's in the house to bring healing. If you want prayer for healing, why don't you come join me on my left on this side here? We'll come if, if anybody wants prayer for healing for yourself or someone you're concerned about, feel free to come up and stand over here. We'll pray. Are you going to come for prayer, Nina? Okay. Anyone else come join Nina over here and come and pray for Nina too. Some of you sitting there could come and bring a prayer for Nina and see what God's going to do. If you need it. Uh, if you need healing or want to pray and bless somebody with healing, come over to my left here and uh, simply in the name of Jesus, declare the Father's heart over these situations. It'll be amazing to see what God's going to do. Maybe you've never done this before. Take a step of faith. Get out there and, and begin to pray. If you need healing, just come. Stand on the side. Thanks, Peter. You're coming to pray or you're going to be prayed for. It's fantastic. Mark, are you praying or are you getting prayed for? Fantastic. Okay, uh, Christina, you, you need Christina, you need prayer? Somebody can come pray for Christina as well. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Who else needs prayer? Just come and join the group here for healing. We'll split for coffee just now. Don't worry, we're not going to drag it on. Thank you, Lord, what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. We bless what you're doing. Well done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. While these people are being prayed for, yeah, we will go for coffee in a moment. But just to remind you, if you want to link up with a young couple, even come and see me personally, that'll be very helpful. Uh, Evergreens, you don't have to tell anybody, just come 8.30 on Saturday. But Friday night, the young couple's evening, come and see me, but I'll give you more detail. Uh, you guys just keep praying, doing what God wants to do. And if you need to go, you're welcome. But go and have coffee first and make yourself known. If you're visiting us today, come and get your free coffee as well. That'd be great. Thanks.